This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out knocked out so your only choice should be go focus on what you can control 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 hi everyone and welcome to the Kara golden show join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders we'll talk with founders entrepreneurs ceos and really some of the most interesting people of our time can't wait to get started let's go let's go Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden, and we are here with Michelle Romano, who was the co-founder of ClearCo. And I am so excited to have Michelle on the show. I met Michelle. I don't know if you remember this, Michelle, but I met you uh, years ago at the lobby conference. I and since we've been, yeah, which is at an the amazing... Bar, I think. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Had amazing, amazing conversation that night and have seen each other since and uh, just an amazing entrepreneur and uh, incredible executive for sure. So Michelle is the co-founder of ClearCo. She up until recently was running the company as well. It is the world's largest e-commerce investor. Uh, The platform is called ClearCo and we're about to hear a lot more about it. Who wouldn't believe that Michelle, who started six companies before her 35th birthday uh, and was a dragon and still is a dragon on the Canadian show Dragon's Den, she has achieved amazing, amazing things. And like I said, in co-founding ClearCo, they've invested over $5 billion to over 10,000 entrepreneurs in 13 countries. It's such an incredible business for sure. One of the top fintech startups, I should also mention too. So really, really an honor to have you on the show just to tell us a lot more about your journey and about you. So welcome. Oh, it's great. It's great to be here. I mean, the, the story's great at the end. The journey to get there is always very messy. So here to always be honest with the, the tale. So true. So you worked in a few different industries, and I was doing some research for this interview and heard you say, do you think uh, the best entrepreneurs would say, like, why did they start their companies? What was what was kind of the, the key thing? So I think, you know, really entrepreneurs in some ways when they're not from an industry have an enormous competitive advantage because when you're from an industry, you have this line and this like industry knowledge where you're like, we've always done it this way versus doing it differently. And so I'll give you an example of a, of a friend of mine and a company I invested in, a company called Sheertax. She, um, Catherine was like, look, I'm going to figure out how to make indestructible pantyhose. And everyone in the hosiery industry was like, that's impossible. Like 
I mean, pantyhose rip. She's like, well, I know that there's like hundreds of thousands of people that have worked in the hosiery industry, but I believe that I can do this better. So she got a Kevlar bulletproof fiber. She started to weave it. She broke 36 sewing machines. And today her product is truly a pretty indestructible form of pantyhose. But she had to figure it out from the ground up because when you're there, it's too easy. And so I think it was like really the same with with my story. Um, you know, I had started companies in a lot of different industries. I had been an e-commerce founder, founded an early AI app that we sold to Groupon. And let me just set the scene. I'm 28 years old and I joined the cast of Dragon's Den, which is the Canadian version of Shark Tank. And I'm like, I don't belong to be here. I'm the youngest person here. I'm the poorest person here, but like, I'll take this chair and I'll like figure out how to do this. And so one of the things most people don't know about the show is that we see something like 200 pitches a year. We see them back to back, like 10 pitches a day. And so every pitch is like starting to sound the same. I got a great e-commerce product. I want to sell it. I need a hundred thousand dollars. I'm willing to sell 10% of my business. And what was fascinating is when you ask those founders what they needed the $100,000 for, they always said the same two things, Kara. They said, I need money for ad spend and I need money for inventory. And I was like, wait a second, why are founders giving up 10% of their business for, for an expense that's, that's really um, could be measured very differently? So I was like, hmm, you know what? I'm going to do scale. Instead of, I'm going to give you the hundred grand you're looking for. Instead of taking 10% of your business that I would own forever, I just want 10% of your revenue until you pay me back my capital plus 10%. So I'll give you hundred grand, give me $110,000 back. I don't own a piece of your company. And they're like, oh, this sounds a lot like a loan. And I was like, uh-uh, a loan would have a personal guarantee. So I would take your house if you didn't pay me back. And I would take your business if you didn't pay me back. That is way more punitive than what I am offering. And so the founder on the show is like, okay, well, what's the catch? And I was like, look, I just need to see your Facebook ad data. I need to be connected to your online platforms to see how your, your business and how your ads are converting, because then I can basically figure out if this is a good business to underwrite. So the founder that day is like, 100%, I'll take that business. Everyone in finance, like, I mean, we created a, effectively a new category in in specialty finance, the same way you created a category in beverage that truly had never existed before. And the number of people who are like, there's water and then there's juice. And no one thought that people wanted a flavor. Totally. It's the same thing. People were like, there is debt and there's equity. No one thought there was ever room for a revenue share agreement that was based on data coming out of your business. And so when you have done that, the number of naysayers is just exhausting because you have mm -hmm. nothing to call the category. You have things that don't make sense about the category. Um, and you just need to keep listening to your customer feedback and seeing if that's good. And ultimately, then you look back and 10 years in, you're like, oh, of course that deserved to exist. I mean, we have a competitor in 45 countries around the world. There is now billions of dollars being deployed um, on the thing that we built out of Canada. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, which is pretty cool, but it's a very, very difficult journey to get there. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. 
Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, 
from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. It's wild. So you touched on this, but can you describe, just flush it out for people. So basically you're giving people money uh, to, can you just describe it a little bit further? Yeah, of course. So what happens is if you're an entrepreneur looking for capital anywhere from, you know, 10,000 all the way up to $10 million, you connect us to your online data sources. So you're, you know, wherever you're buying ads, Facebook, Instagram, um, you connect us to your payment processor and your, um, where you're creating money in your bank account. We can tell you within 24 hours how much capital we can give you and the terms of that capital. And then you pay us back as you make your revenue until you've paid us back our capital plus your fee. And then we're done. We don't own a piece of your company. Uh, we don't have a personal guarantee on the business. And we have scaled with businesses um, as they've gone from, you know, tens and thousands of dollars in sales to millions of dollars in sales. That's amazing. And when you guys were first starting, you were the first. I mean, you disrupted a yeah. category. Were there others that uh, copycats after you had started this model? Oh, of course. And I think that in some ways, like, that's a good and an okay thing, right? If you're the only mm-hmm. person in a category, you, first of all, haven't created a category. <laughs> um, totally. But the, like, Ultimately, what I care about more at the end of the day is that I believe there should be more founders. I believe founders are the world's greatest problem solvers, and they build the world that we want to live in. And you can work for governments, and you can work for big businesses, and they can have impact, but they move very slowly. If you really want to change how something is done, you should be a founder. And so the number one thing that holds people back from becoming a founder and scaling their business is access to capital. It is not Mm -hmm. education. It is not knowing how to do it. Um, and so if if I can make it my life's mission and work for it to be easier for founders to get access to capital, I think I've made, you know, a, a small little dent in the ability to do so. And Kara, the coolest part is you can see it in our numbers. I mean, I never expected this. I was like, let's build a system that's based on numbers versus pitches. Because when you pitch, you have so much bias on how good your pitch is, how polished you are, how where you went to school. If you know the VC from undergrad, we were like, what, just plug us into your digital data. That's also the way we can deploy a lot of capital because we can do this um, algorithmically. And I didn't expect this, but when you look back at our data, half half of our portfolio is women. This compares to 2% of venture capital wow. going to women. That's insane. It's 25 times more. Um, a third of our founders did not go to post-secondary education and a quarter of our founders are minorities. So it's just, it's extraordinary to see that when you actually just use data and you don't look at who a person is or where they went to school, you get so much more diversity in these incredible businesses that um, that are being built. 
So you're based out of Canada, but you're obviously not just in Canada. You're now in 13 countries. Is that right? Yes, we've deployed capital in 13 countries. We're active. Uh, we're most active in the U.S. now, and we scaled back a lot of our European operations when things started to change in the economy. But yeah, it's it's like an incredible tool for founders to be building their business. Have you? I bet you are able to see so much data, not just on somebody's individual business, but in terms of trends and uh, entrepreneurship overall. Do you see any major? similarities or or differences that sort of surprised you? Oh, between different countries? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot. I mean, there's very few things that rivals the American consumer and how powerful they are at at, um, attaching to a trend and how good the conversions are. I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the e-commerce industry in the last couple of years, right? It started when inventory got way more difficult to secure. So now having inventory was absolutely key. There was a ton of changes that happened um, when Facebook changed their algorithm that have been continuing on, right? Like the days of really low cost, um, cost per acquisition are probably over and people need to be thinking about how to be building their basket size, how to be selling higher ticket items. And um, there was just a, there was a difference in debt levels and risk levels mm-hmm. that American businesses were taking on versus um, other countries. So Canada, for example, everyone pays back their money. <laughs> I think it is one of the most compliant um, places that, uh, that we deploy capital, but it's also harder to deploy capital because people are, you know, more scared of taking risk in their business and betting on their business early on. So you do see those differences when you deploy capital globally. So interesting. Uh, what about the recovery overall since, uh, you know, the, the meltdown and maybe, you know, that had kind of a ripple across the world, basically. I mean, what have you guys seen as far as your business and how has that affected that? Yeah, I think people are now in the, the wait and see period of this. Um, you know, there was, I think last year was pretty tough, but we've seen, you know, consumer spending hold up. Mm-hmm. still continuing to to be buying things. And so look, I think um, my my personal opinion is there's probably still another th- shoe to drop. I don't think we can get away with just printing trillions of dollars um, and not have it really affect um, the system. And we just have not seen that recession yet. And so I'm always a little bit, <laughs> I'm always a little bit cautious, but that's also because I took a lot of risks in my life becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm, I'm constantly in the back of my brain being like, okay. And I actually think that's a good way for an entrepreneur to operate, right? Part of what it feels like to be an entrepreneur is there's always someone chasing you and you're always mm-hmm. like self-motivating yourself to be like, let me think of this risk. Let me think of what to do here and how to, and how to fix it. That's a, I love that analogy. I mean, it's so, so, so true. So beyond actually giving capital, you also offer tools and insights. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So one of our, one of our big things when we rebranded from ClearBank to ClearCo was that we wanted to be more than just capital. We were like, how do we have our team and have our tools help you with your business? And so that, was a suite of all sorts of things. If you needed help selling your business, we could broker you with the people because we had tons of investors and private equity funds coming to us being like, look, we're interested in buying um, these businesses. So that was one of the things um, that we launched. We have a team that, you know, when you take capital from us, you, you talk to someone and they see hundreds of businesses and what's working between, you know, ad spends and conversions and all sorts of things where we can connect you with other founders that may have had the same problems um, that you've had. And so, 
I always want to think that we're doing the best of what an investor can do, but in the best model where we are not on your board, we cannot fire you. <laughs> we cannot, um, we cannot take control of your business. Um, but certainly we can be helpful when we've seen problems that are happening in your business in other places. I mean, I think truly we had one of our companies that were in trouble and I like personally renegotiated their shipping rates for them and saved them like 30%, which ended up being like $3 million. <laughs> and so they were like, this completely changed our, our business economics. And, and you can't do that for everyone, but you know, where it makes a difference, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Do you have a story, one of your favorite stories where you feel like, wow, that felt really awesome to be able to help, uh, company, a founder, be able to, uh, you know, really do something that they wouldn't have been able to do. I feel like you've probably done that for so many. Um, but are there any that uh, are really kind of jumping out at you as as uh, being one of your favorites? What a great question. Um, I mean, I feel like I have so many. Um, I have so many special founders. Like I remember getting on the phone with um you know, an ex-military veteran, and he had built an incredible business um, that was that was selling apparel, had built a big brand on it. And he's like, you don't understand, Michelle, like no one believes in us. No one believes in us when we come back. There's no bank that's willing to look at us. Like everyone just left us. And like you, first of all, didn't even, didn't even care in the best possible way. You were like, if your data has great or if your business has great metrics, like we want to fund you. And so I remember getting on this very emotional call where he's crying and his daughter's there. And I was like, I just, you have no idea of the impact um, you can generate for some of this. I have one founder um, who is in Europe that effectively made, um, you know, the StockX, one of these sneaker marketplaces um, in Europe. And, you know, he started this, out of his garage. And I mean, the business kind of did 2 million, then 20 million, then close to a hundred million euros. Um, and he's like, I met him for the first time and he came and he hugged me and he's like, Michelle, I own a hundred percent of this business and I have four kids and I'm going to get to pass it on to him because of your money. And it just never, I, I never appreciated that. And it was just, it was life-changing for him and his family. Well, that's super powerful. And knowing that you're actually helping people and you said the word impact, I mean, that's, that's such a massive, massive thing. I, I feel like, uh, that's what keeps you going, right? Even during those really hard times, uh, as an entrepreneur, I always tell people that if they love a brand, uh, write to them, right? If they love a service, write to them because there's, people who are really trying to make it all work Mm -hmm. um, behind that really, you know, need to hear that from you. And I run into people all the time who have said to me, like, Hint has changed my life Mm -hmm. and has gotten me healthier, has kept me healthier. I love it. What, you know, other people who are just like, oh, you know, I never drank water before and then I started drinking it. And um, so definitely, um, you know, I know how powerful it, it can be. So let's talk about dragon, being a dragon yeah. on Dragon's Den. So 28 years old, you get this job, you're you're still uh, a dragon. What have you learned um, from that show? It must be really exciting being able to <laughs> listen to all these pitches, right? You probably see trends, you see, um, you know, people who just aren't ready, right, yeah. to be able to, I mean, you see it, like, you know, <laughs> the spectrum, right? 
what's what's sort of the the most surprising aspect of, of being you know in your position on that show? I think it's always like the ingenuity of things that people dream up and believe. <laughs> like there is there's just no shortage of of great ideas and there's so many ways to build a business. That's the other thing is like, we, we somehow think there's like a playbook or a how to guide. There's actually a million ways um, to make something successful. And the show is really, really good at showing all of those examples. Um, so there's probably a couple of questions that people always have about, you know, Dragon's Den and Shark Tank. So the first is that um, we have no idea of what the pitches are before they come on. We don't get notes. We don't get to study anything. And so when you're literally like picking something up and you're like, what is this? Like it, we're truly being like, what is this? We're learning in real time with the founder hearing the pitch for the first time. Um, the second question that people ask is like, you know, how many of the deals close? All of the deals and the offers we're making are serious. They're all of our own money. And then they go into a diligence process after that. And some of them don't close after that. Some of them, the founders don't want the capital. Some of them we find, you know, that they exaggerated a little bit in the pitch or it's not quite the business we thought. Um, but I mean, I now have like dozens of companies in my portfolio. So a lot of these deals, um, you know, did close and I've, I've done so much work on. And then it's just extraordinary, the businesses that people can build. Um, so I'll give you one example. There was um, there was two founders that walked on the show about five years ago. It was an ex-cop and an ex-military officer that had gone to Afghanistan. One had been um, hurt on the job. And they had bought three RVs themselves and they were trying to rent them out. And they're like, well, there's nowhere to, there's no Airbnb for RVs. And so they built the platform themselves to be able to rent out the three Airbnb, the three RVs that they have. And, you know, the question is, well, why doesn't Airbnb do this? Well, it's actually more complicated to rent a vehicle with insurance that moves. You can appreciate how this is a whole different category. In Canada alone, there were 2 million RVs that were used on average for two weeks a year. So this is a massive asset class that no one is using. And, you know, especially for folks that own RVs, they're in the demographic, we're probably making another 10, 20 grand a summer is very significant from renting something yeah. that they own. And I mean, the number in the US would be 10 times that. So they started this business. I literally went to go to Boots and Hearts Music Festival, which is like an RV country music festival mm -hmm. and knocked on doors of RV owners and be like, hey, you know, you can rent your RV when you're not using it. And, you know, today... um, they're the second largest player in North America. This is like a massive, uh, you know, billion dollar company now. And it started off uh, Dragon's Den, which is really, really cool. I love that. No, that's such a great story. So knowing what you know today about launching a company, growing a company, uh, what are some of the most important characteristics that you see in successful founders? Uh, so I think there's two parts to that yeah. successful founders and maybe successful founders who stay on as CEOs. I mean, I think this whole game is just, um, in many ways about like pain tolerance and resilience. Mm -hmm. Like this job is so painful. Like, you know, the Elon Musk about this is chewing glass. Like there are so many days where you're like, everything is going wrong. I yeah. describe my life as a founder always as two times a week, you have a disaster that you cannot 
anticipate that you have to deal with that is urgent and immediate. So it makes your ability to plan a lot harder when two two times a week, you know, that's a hundred times a year, you're going to have something just blow up. So you have to be good with changing your mind. You have to be good with responding quickly. You have to just have a chip on your shoulder where it doesn't matter how hard you were hit yesterday and how many black eyes you have. Um, you're going to get up in the ring that next day and be like, I'm back. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's do this again. Yeah. I'm not losing my own sense of confidence. I'm not ability, losing my own ability to pick up the phone and make things happen. Like, some days when I just get really angry, I'm like, I'm going to call 20 people. And I'm just going to solve this problem right now myself. I'm just going to show my team that I can do it. And that is incredibly powerful. The next thing that matters is, is related to that. It's really never thinking you're above any task or anything. I mean, I've invested in dozens of founders. Everyone goes through this phase where they go from, you know, being the jack of all trades when they're a one person or a five person team to being like, we got to scale and grow and becoming a 20 person team. And then they want an assistant and they don't want to go on sales calls anymore. And they want, you know, to have software engineers and they want to trust people. And you need to do some of this, but if you take your hand out of the business, people run in all the wrong directions. And so you need to be constantly back, you know, one in every 20, one in every 50 sales calls, you just pop your head in and you're like, let me just like see what you guys are saying here. (laughs) Um, You know, product, you got to pick up and taste and try your own product. You know, I describe, especially when you build um, technical software products, like people have to be able to use them when there's seven glasses of wine in. Like no one is going to give you the attention in the world to be like, oh, let me figure out what that button means. And like, why were you trying to do that? Like, you just need to be able, I call it like stumbling through the flow of trying to do things. And, and people complicate things all the time. And so you need to have a real ability to have no ego. Because as soon as you think you are too good for a task in a startup, your business starts to slip away from you. And I've watched this happen dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And that doesn't mean you forever stay and you never scale and you never trust people. That's not what I'm saying. You you have to change your cadence, but you cannot let go of everything. And then I think probably the last trait is you need to have some natural optimism and you need to mm-hmm. constantly be seeing what the new world is creating and how you continue to innovate and disrupt your own product. Because even if you've created a category, someone is going to create a category after you and something better than you. And in some ways, when you're the category creator, and I've done both. So the first 10 years of my career, I was always a fast follower. We followed the Groupon space. We followed um, you know, a couple different business models and, and were able to create success in doing that. And when you're the category creator, I mean, it feels great, except you're making a lot of mistakes. Like you're writing a lot of copy that no one is making sense of. Like, is it unflavored water? Is it unsweetened water? Is it like mm-hmm. hint of lime water? Like it's a, there's a lot. I mean, you can probably tell me about the amount of iterations it took to just make people understand your product. It's really simple. 10 years in when you're like, okay, now we're going to just make flavored water. <laughs> you just can take everything that's worked that someone else has created. Um, and so you kind of have to manage both of those two things. I think that's great, great, great wisdom. So you're on a number of boards and uh, have built uh, your own board as well. Always a bit of a mystery for founders, right? Who are trying to put 
together a board. Mm-hmm. Um, any lessons and wisdom that you can share in building out boards? Building your board is exceptionally important. And you want to be looking for board members um, that understand founders and that are generally founder-friendly. Um, and there's lots of different versions of this. I would maybe use two litmus tests that I think are important. I think you, even when you're fundraising, should deliver a bad piece of news to an investor at some point, and you should see how they react. And to me, there is only one form of reaction. The reaction has to be to calm me down, not to rile me up. One of the things as a founder is it's already the worst it can possibly be in your mind. You've already put your life on the line, your family on the line, your savings on the line. You were, When you're a founder, you were just all in. Um, and so when something goes wrong in the business, I've already imagined that 8,000 ways that this can get worse. And so I'll give you an example. One of our, one of, um, one of my investors, we had, uh, a website outage on a big launch day, which is terrible. Cause when you launch a bunch of media, you want people to be able to come to your website and sign up for your product. And so if your website goes down, that's really bad. And I was like, look, we had this outage. This is very bad. Um, and she goes, you know, this happened to another company of mine, except that they went public that day. And so immediately she just calmed me down. She just said, look, this, this happens at a way bigger scale uh, and a way bigger problem. And so you want people that have the context where they've been doing this for, you know, 20 or 30 years. And so they're, they're just, they're not, you should never be calling with the biggest problem that they've heard in their career. And they can give you a lot of context on how to solve it. So that'd be one thing that I'd really test. The other thing that I do before you add something to your board is I would do some blind calls to other founders that have had that person on their board. I think this is probably the most important thing. So, you know, you're taking money from XYZ VC fund. You look at XYZ partner. You see what other boards they've been on. You message those founders on LinkedIn and be like, hey, thinking of taking money from XYZ, wanted to know what partner this partner was like. And I'd say 90% of founders will take a random cold LinkedIn message because this is so important. Almost everyone will tell you, like, look, they were wonderful to deal with. Uh, or they were terrible to deal with. Um, And, you know, reputation really matters and it's going to make a huge difference to your own mental health on how your investors are going to be. Um, Because companies, unfortunately, just don't always go up. (laughs) It's just every single company and even the most successful companies that we absolutely revere as the Apples Mm -hmm. and Nikes, they have gone through real periods where things were very dark for a very long time of time. And if you do not have people you want to be in the boat with, if you do not want to people, if you are not with people you want to weather the storm with, it it becomes almost impossible. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. So best advice you've ever received? Mm-hmm. Start now. Like you're never ready. I think there's this huge bias for like, need the right time, need the right business plan. And they're all these narratives that are perpetuated from people that are not founders. Like, I think companies are the worst at this. Like, I need two years for to go from an analyst to an associate. I need three years to become a vice president. It's like, no, you don't. You need to be like ready to do that. And so when you're a founder, you got to learn as fast as you can. And, you know, you can learn something in three months or you can learn something in three years. And so I get so many people that come up and they're like, I've been thinking of starting this business and I've been thinking about it for five years. And I'm like, well, what have you been doing? <laughs> you got to go. Um, so anyway, that's that I think is the best thing. You're never ready. You got to look at the side of that swimming pool 
knowing that water is really cold and you got to jump in. And as soon as you jump in, you will figure out how to tread water. But it's those that jump and those that are constantly willing to able to get wet um, that make it. Michelle Romanow, co-founder of ClearCo, so thankful, grateful that you came on today and shared all your wisdom. Thank you again. Uh, well, it's great to be here with another founder who's, uh, who's an amazing category creator as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I wanna talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.